Thank you all so much for joining me. My name is Mocha. This is the Gut Wrench Podcast, and I've got some news to share with everyone. A rumor roundup apparently says that Cody Rhodes, after after the WrestleMania, the Backlash WrestleMania pay-per-view, or the Backlash to WrestleMania pay-per-view, Cody Rhodes is apparently done with WWE, because the plan is, apparently, according to the rumor roundup, but you can't always believe what you hear on the internet, you know, that um, Vince McMahon has plans for Brock Lesnar to win at the next pay-per-view, which is the Backlash to WrestleMania, I think it's called, or WrestleMania Backlash, but anyway, it sounds pretty stupid to me, you know, if you're thinking about, like, you know, the fact that Cody's legacy, and I don't know where his dad, like, his dad stopped, if... If possible, if his brother even ever won the world championship. But according to what I've heard, not read, but heard, Cody, his father, and his brother have never really won the big championship. You know, the the big um, brass ring, so to speak. Cody and his family have always fallen short at the finish line, so to speak. So to speak, rather. Um, And with that in mind, I really don't know how else to put this, but if WWE is going to make Cody lose at the backlash to WrestleMania, like the rumor roundup apparently says that, is going to happen. Cody has asked for his release from the company after Backlash to WrestleMania because they're just being petty at this point. You know, they're kind of like, Hey, Cody, good to see you again. You remember those six years you spent, seven years you spent as Stardust, right? You remember the last time you were seen on TV? Because we sure don't, you know? We don't remember anything, any any part of that. For those of you who don't know, the back the um fast lane uh twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen pay per view, I'm pretty sure it was. I could be wrong. It could be the twenty sixteen pay per view, but somewhere around those three years, I want to say twenty sixteen. Honestly, just just um. Off the top of my head, <clears throat> somewhere around the Fast Lane pay-per-view, which usually took place in February, so I want to say February 2016, uh, Cody Rhodes did a segment with his dad before he died, and um, the segment suggested something more nefarious, nefarious. And um, what ended up happening was Cody looked at his father as his father's asking him, Now, Cody, I don't understand you. For some context, Rhodes and um, Goldust just got done. uh, I should say Stardust and Goldust just got done losing to the New Day. Um, Thanks to... Yeah, I really don't know what the outside factor was uh, now that I think about it. But afterwards, uh, Dusty Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes rather, went ahead and uh, pulled Cody in for the um, handshake. And he he was telling him, it's going to be okay, Cody, it's going to be okay. As the New Day walk off, um, as they retain their tag team championships... Which they looked really good in that match, and so did uh, Cody and Dustin. But uh, anyway, as uh, Gold Dust pulls in uh, Stardust 
for a hug. Goldust turns away from Stardust and Stardust hits Goldust with the crossroads. And then afterwards he runs to the back and then his father confronts him. Dusty Rhodes confronts him and then says, Cody, I don't know what the hell's wrong with you. You know, that's your brother. Now, he's supposed to, you're supposed to have his back, he's supposed to have your back. I don't understand any of this. And then he's like, you stupid, senile old man. And then he just goes on a rant, a, ta- a tirade almost like. And he ends it by saying, as far as I'm concerned, Cody Rhodes is dead. And so are you. And then he walks off. That was the last time that Dusty Rhodes was seen on WWE TV. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Stardust. This is the Gut Wrench Podcast. And honestly, if if Destiny had to be and Cody Rhodes does end up losing to Brock Lesnar, like the top comment on that video from the rumor roundup said I wouldn't blame him one bit for them being this petty today we will be looking at a non-WWE pay-per-view because as far as I know the tag team championships have not changed hands um, from WWE Also, I have some more news before we get into um, Winter is Coming 2020, an AEW pay-per-view, by the way, which was really good. Honestly, their lowest rated match, I think, was a two and a half out of five stars or a three out of five star match. So, you know, one of those two, uh, I'll have to check my notes again. Thank you all once again for joining me. Like I said before, don't mean to sound like a broken record. Some more news, however. Um, CM Punk is scheduled to return to AEW. And he's also scheduled to return to AEW. Uh, I wanted to say something like give an apology to, you know, John Moxley or something like that, but... He's probably not going to do that. Nonetheless, he said that he would like to return to AEW and, um, I don't know how to feel about this because on one hand, I was sort of right. On another hand, I was sort of wrong because if you'll remember, there was a certain podcast episode that I did where I came out and then I said congratulations CM Punk you made me look like a complete doofus and now I have to say that I was wrong for a fourth time I remember that episode I remember coming out and saying I was wrong for a fourth time CM Punk made me look like a real doofus because the week before that I said if you think CM Punk is going to take his ball and go home like he did in WWE you're dead wrong just because he can't be world champion or just because he lost the world championship match doesn't mean anything you should have seen those people though Honestly, you should have seen those people. They were clapping to CM Punk versus John Moxley. So, whenever I said that, you know, I I thought I was right. But now that it's I want to say 10, 12, 15, 25 episodes later, I was right. So, I don't know whether to make that four that four times that I was wrong because I've been wrong before, but only a handful of times. Less than a handful, if anything, because four is how many fingers that I have on one hand plus one thumb. But I don't exactly know, was I wrong at the time? Was I right in the big picture? You know, I I feel like I should chop off one finger and then just say three three and a half times I've been wrong about like every major decision in professional wrestling everything else I'm 
practically Jesus about. As far as professional wrestling goes. Not comparing myself to uh, any messiah anywhere. I just don't want like, you know, some terrorist group at my door saying, Oh, you compared yourself to Jesus. You know, rod in hell. Big bomb show up at my front door. Anyway, um, aside from any of that nonsense, you should also go check out, if you're a huge wrestling fan, uh, as huge of a wrestling fan as I am, you should also go check out uh, uh, Ted Hill at the Hill, Billy Hill podcast. You should also go check out um, uh, the Late Night Wrestling podcast, who is doing a season finale next week, I think he said. Which is very interesting to me. He also shouted me out in his last episode, and he still can't say my name right, nor can he um, uh, type it, apparently. He keeps calling me Coco. I don't understand why. He, maybe he's cuckoo for Coco Puffs. I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how, you know, people from North Carolina, Kentucky, I'm not sure how they how they operate, you know. They they think differently, you know. It's kind of like, uh, maybe he's like a Crash Bandicoot or something. You know, he can only make so many facial expressions. He can only say, like, maybe he can only say 13 words out of the 26 words, ugh, 13 letters out of the 26 letters in the alphabet. You know, like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he's just got heartburn like I do. But, um, anyway, we're going to be reviewing Winter is Coming 2020. Um, thank you all so much for joining me. Once again, my name is Mocha. This is the Gut Wrench Podcast. Sorry for doing my intro three times, but I meant to get to, like, usually whenever I do my intro... It's to get to the wrestling, not to get to the updates and news that are coming your way. You know, what the fuck am I, a news anchor? I am not a news anchor. The following is a Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal. Uh, there's a lot of participants. Uh, they're not all getting entrances, and for that matter, they're not getting introductions. So I'm not going to tell you who all is in it, but I will tell you some of the highlights that I did see from said Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal, or um, Dynamite Diamond Battle Royale. Now the um, participants have one goal, and that's to get down to the last two remaining uh people in the match the last two remaining uh men <clears throat> and they don't start the match in the ring which i thought was really which i thought was really weird Instead, they start the match outside the ring, and then whenever the bell rings, they all go into the ring. You know, they all slide into the ring. <clears throat> um, yeah, I will simply tell you who wins in what commentary focuses on. The last two wrestlers in the ring will be declared the winner. Um, and next week, they will go one-on-one -on -one for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. And MJF has something to say, so um, here's, what, here's what he says. <clears throat> Michael Jordan, 96-97. Tom Brady, 04-05. And now... Friedman, 19, 2019 to 2020. 
MJF comparing himself to some of the best, uh, proverbial, uh, the best level of those goats. Sean Spears, after being eliminated from the Battle Royal, comes back, uh, with something loaded in his glove and hits Scorpio Sky with a loaded glove and <clears throat> got him eliminated. So, some of these, um, battle royals they usually come with no caveats whatsoever so it's extremely easy to cheese um if you have a rival in there but you get eliminated like sean spears did it's extremely easy to just cheese it and then just be like And then just be petty for the reason of being petty. You know, it's extremely easy to like, um, even though you're eliminated from the participating event, you can still go into the ring and then eliminate someone else and they will be considered to be eliminated, which I think is really stupid because if you're not officially a part of the event or if you're not officially like... If you've officially been eliminated and you're no longer participating in the event, you shouldn't be able to have an effect on the event after the time that you have been eliminated, if that makes sense. And it does. <clears throat> and it does. Trust me. Hangman Adam Page gets saved by the Dark Order, uh, somewhat crowd surfing on their 7 or 12 members. Did Matt Hardy eliminates uh, Hangman Adam Page Jr. Jr. calls uh, Hardy's teeth giant. He said, and Matt Hardy in his giant teeth. And then I'm just sitting there. I'm like, what? The man's got a great smile. Don't don't make fun of him for it. You know. Uh, the final four consists of Jungle Boy Jack Perry, Orange Cassidy, uh, Wardlow, and MJF of the Inner Circle. The Inner Circle members realize that they, even though Orange Cassidy is on the outside of the ring, he is not eliminated. Um, because in order to eliminate someone, they made this extremely clear at the beginning of the event, you have to throw them over the top rope. Cassidy, however, was not thrown over the top rope. He was eliminated, or he wasn't eliminated because he ducked under the bottom rope. Understand the distinction. You are eliminated whenever you are thrown over the top rope. <clears throat> um, members of that, even though Cassidy is on the outside of the ring, he was not eliminated. Upon uh, trying to eliminate Cassidy, Wardlow got tripped and ended up eliminating himself. <clears throat> uh, the Inner Circle members MJF and Wardlow throughout that thought that they had won the match when Wardlow realized that Orange Cassidy had not been eliminated um, <clears throat> and then brought him into the ring and then tripped while trying to attempt to eliminate Orange Cassidy. Because Cassidy ended up, like, tripping him. And then afterwards, the, the best friends come out, you know. Trent Beretta and Chuck Taylor, they end up coming out to, of course, give Cassidy a hug and a congratulatory, you know, arm raise. It was a really entertaining match, honestly, and it told a beautiful story, not only of um, the cracks that are forming, believe it or not, uh, between the inner circle, but also how strong the friendship of the best friends are. <clears throat> that being Orange Cassidy and uh, Trent Beretta, Orange Cassidy and um, uh, Chuck Taylor, and Chuck Taylor and uh, Trent Beretta.
one of or uh, a combination of the two of those groups is known as just friends and another combination of the two of those groups is known as um best friends or all three of them are known as best friends collectively and then like together any two combinations could be known as just friends I'm still confused on the logistics of it because they never really make it abundantly clear. They're always switching it, and I swear it's so annoying. Nonetheless, I gave it 3 out of 5 stars despite it not being one-on-one content. Um, it was still a very entertaining, uh, very um, lucid match, and it told a great story. <coughs> I do apologize for the interruption earlier, but there was someone who unexpectedly just happened to walk through the fucking front door there. I don't want them to think that I'm talking to myself because a lot of them don't know, hey, there's a, there's a guy in there and he's talking. What what's he doing? You know, and they're obviously under the influence of drugs or or um some sort of substance, or they've used it for elongated amount of time to where they don't understand basic. They don't even have basic conversation skills. I'm telling you guys, it is so annoying sometimes. But it's it's fine. It's fine. I'll deal with this and um you guys sit back and enjoy the um the enjoy the content. By the way, did you know that I sold merchandise? I meant to plug that at the beginning of the show cuz I can't plug it at the end of it because by that point in time most people are clicking off. By the way, did you know that I sold merchandise? The new Gothic collection is out now. And um, for those of you who don't know what the Gothic Collection is, allow me to educate you a little bit. A little bit of a pre-roll here, mid-section. Um, so basically anything that's dark, depicted as dark, and for that matter, you know, you like Halloween? We got Halloween all year long, all year long. The only thing that I don't sell is, and I'm working on it, ashtrays, uh, thongs and underwear, um... You think, I mean, we don't sell bandanas, really. I mean, uh, but don't worry, we're working on lunch boxes, ashtrays, thongs and underwear, and um, coming soon, you know, a commercial or two. Too bad I couldn't get the commercial to go up um, this past week, but it's just because of my sleep schedule, and I wanted to stay up past like 3 o'clock in the morning. Didn't happen. Had to just... My engine shut down. I decided it was a good idea to take a little bit of a nap nap and I was out like a light light. Anyway, um getting back to this right here. The two people who ended up winning the match, by the way, was Orange Cassidy and MJF. And MJF thought for sure that it, it Wardlow was going to end up winning in the process of trying to allow uh Sammy Guevara to win, he accidentally shoved, I'm going to put that in air quotes, accidentally shoved Sammy Guevara off of the top rope, and he also accidentally, or I I suppose on purpose, actually, he shoved uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. So, he got Perry out, he got Jungle Boy out, but... He sort of like, you know, backed up, and then he was like, oh, I'm sorry, Sammy, I didn't mean to... I didn't mean to to get you. I was trying to get Jungle Boy. And, you know, everybody was, except for, like, one person on commentary was like, he was trying to get Jungle Boy. He, you saw what he was doing. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to aim for Sammy Guevara. And Guevara was so mad at him. He was like, come on, man. We rehearsed, we rehearsed this, you know supposed to be us but 
Wardlow and um, MJF thought that they had the match won until Wardlow realized that Orange Cassidy hadn't been eliminated. He goes to pick up Orange Cassidy and put him on his shoulder to eliminate him properly, but Cassidy shifts his weight halfway through um, Wardlow carrying him over, like over the top of the ring ropes, and whenever Cassidy does that, Wardlow gets knocked out of the um, diamond battle royal and whenever he does MJF and Orange Cassidy end up winning and I give it 3 out of 5 stars next we have Jericho versus Frankie Kazarian Jericho the late champion despite him not holding a championship at this time uh, Jericho the um, <clears throat> wizard Jericho the um I mean, he's got a lot of nicknames, doesn't he? He he does got a lot of nicknames. Y2J, except he's not going by that at this point. Uh, Jericho comes out, and the crowd is singing along to his theme song, and he looks elated. He's so happy. They're singing along to, you know, his, his new Judas song or whatever it's called. <clears throat> Used to before. Actually, I hadn't mentioned this before but um believe it or not there was actually a statistic that Jericho and um Shawn Michaels were the only two the only two professional wrestlers to ever have the same entrance music their entire career now it's down to one because Shawn Michaels is the only person to ever and I mean ever have the uh I'm just a sexy boy, sexy boy, you know, like, that's been his theme song his entire career, I'm, it's been his first theme song, someone fact check me if I'm wrong, <clears throat> let me know on Twitter, and by the way, you can follow me at p1 underscore b-a-y-y, -Y, I think, hang on, let me check that, let me, nobody, nobody say nothing, No, it's P1 underscore B-B-A-Y. P1 underscore B-B-A-Y. I don't know why I keep thinking that there's two Ys. Yeah, it's not important. Hangman Adam Page gets just saved by the Dark Order. Okay, Chris Jericho versus Frankie Kazarian. Uh, the crowd sings along to... <clears throat> And uh, JR finds it funny to um, plug his own uh, barbecue sauce. He says, uh, you can go to jrsbarbecuesauce.com to pick up yours today. And no, it's not sponsored. Thank you, JR. Perhaps maybe one day in the future, um, maybe next week or the week after, I'll go to jrsbarbecuesauce.com. I'll see if it's like really expensive. I'm not going to get it. There better be fucking gold in that goddamn barbecue sauce if it's really expensive. Because I'm not just going to order some Oklahoman barbecue sauce and sit here and chow down on it. They drink the whole fucking bottle for you guys just to not get my money's worth, you know? But anyway, uh, jrsbarbecuesauce.com to pick up yours uh, today. No, it's not sponsored. If you were uh, wondering... Would be nice to have sponsored uh, JR's barbecue sauce, though. They say that Frankie Kazarian uh, has a victory over Okada, uh, who was the number one uh, Japanese wrestler uh, in the world at this time. Frankie Kazarian is a 22-year veteran of the business. And, yeah, I've seen uh, Kazarian around a lot. Like, he was in Impact Wrestling, for instance. Uh, he was part of a group known as Ego. Before he was Ego with um, Christopher Daniels, he was the Dirty Heels with Christopher Daniels as well. So, yeah, uh, him and Daniels had a lot of fun in Impact Wrestling. And, oh my god, they're so good. That like tag team wrestling was practically no one better. I want to say practically because I can't think of anyone better, but 
I'm sure that there's someone out there who could give Frankie Kazarian and uh, Christopher Daniels a run for their money. <clears throat> I'm just not thinking of them, you know? Um, nonetheless, Kazarian has already seen or... Oh, okay, yeah, they were practically saying that, hey, you know, Kazarian's a 22-year veteran. Don't count him out just yet because he's a 22-year veteran. There's not a trick in the book, not a trick in the book that Jericho can do to Frankie Kazarian that he hasn't already seen or prepared for. You know, that's practically what they're trying to say. Uh, they're really talking as though that, uh, Frankie Kazarian is a real threat to Jericho. Uh, Kazarian performs what's known as a Spanish fly, but for some reason Excalibur calls it the Flux Capacitor, perhaps making a, uh, Back to the Future reference, which Frankie Kazarian was not a part of the Back to the Future franchise, if I remember correctly. I don't remember seeing him in any of those movies, but that's okay, you know? Excalibur knows, apparently, what the name of the move is. I shouldn't get all bent out of shape because I thought that it was a Spanish fly, and despite the fact that I'd seen Spanish fly, and I'd called Spanish flies three fucking times on this podcast, this, of course, being number three, because the other two times it was done by a woman known as Io Shirai on another woman known as Candice LeRae, and I've given two of those matches out of two, five out of five stars. And despite the fact that I've been um, constantly for like four weeks now trying to find a picture of Io Shirai that I can actually um, edit in a way that her and Candice LeRae are on my poster. I wanted that to be a surprise, but I guess they just ruined it. They went and ruined everything, you know? I was trying to get Io Shirai and Candice LeRae on my next poster. Because for right now, all I have is Alexa Bliss. There's nothing wrong with Alexa Bliss, but, you know, she's, she's not, she's not on that level, you know? I hate to say it, Alexa is beautiful and talented, but she's not on that top niche Japanese luchador wrestling level. Anyway, the flux capacitor is what Excalibur calls uh, the Spanish fly. <clears throat> and Jericho kicks out. <clears throat> There's a lot of layers. There are some layers to this story that you're seeing in front of you. Uh, the first layer is the perception is reality. So Jericho is being put into a submission maneuver when his his own teammates come out, the inner circle. They, they come out, and whenever they do, MJF has that, that white towel in his hand, and he's about to throw in the towel because, you know... Jericho's not responding to anything that Frankie Kazarian is doing, and Kazarian's got, like, a dominant position right now on Jericho, and MJF is about to throw in the towel whenever Sammy Guevara takes the towel from MJF, and whenever he does, he gets in MJF's face, and um, Jericho gets up from the position that he was in while he was in the ring, and whenever Jericho looks up, he sees... That, like I said, Jericho never seen MJF holding the, the white towel, trying to throw it in so that he would surrender. Surrender for his teammate, rather. <clears throat> the only thing that Jericho sees is that Sammy Guevara has the towel. And then he looks at Guevara and then he's like, were you just about to, were you just about to throw in the towel for me? And... Guevara is trying to explain to him that MJF had the towel. <clears throat> like I said, perception is reality. So Jericho thinks that it was Guevara that was trying to throw in the proverbial towel. But in fact, it was MJF. And when when the match is over, the, the interference starts. 
you know, like everybody comes down, SCU comes down, um, which is um, Frankie Kazarian's tag team partner, um, Scorpio Sky. Um, let me think. The inner circle starts getting into a big hula ball, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, in your face type of reality. And then Jericho finally takes the microphone and he says, this has to stop. This has to stop. And then he goes, next week, I'm giving you all an ultimatum. Okay? So, get your shit together. You know, like that. I don't know if you guys watch Rick and Morty or not. There's, there's an, there's an episode wherever, wherever uh, Morty tells tells Summer to get her shit together. He's like, get your shit together and get it all in a suitcase. Just, just get it together and and put it in a suitcase and and just get it together, Summer. Get all your shit. And I'm talking all of it. And then she's like, okay, okay, Morty. It's so funny. It's so funny. But anyway, um, it's it's just Jericho saying that he's going to give his own group an ultimatum. And practically, MJF has been the, the front runner this entire time to try to break up the inner circle. And I love what happened next week because I actually seen what happened next week. It's really memorable for me. Um, I love how they like corner MJF and then they're kind of like, do you think we're stupid? He's like, Jericho gets MJF basically and then he's like, we talk. You, you know that we talk, right? And we talk about you. We know what you're doing. And he practically kicks MJF and Wardlow out of the inner circle. <laughs> because that's that's so non-cliche. That's something that you wouldn't see coming, you know? Because what you were expecting was, oh damn, the inner circle is done. They're they're trash. You know? Um I guess just another group that Jericho was a part of, you know. Let's just mark that one down with like him being a part of uh gosh, what's the name of that group? With uh he's a bald guy, what's he? Howard Finkel uh, you know <laughs> And no one remembers that, do they? Or that, that black guy, I forget his name. Man, it was Jericho's like second year in WWE, but it's not important, I guess. <clears throat> uh, MJF and Sammy Guevara start shoving each other, and Wardlow and Jake Hager start shoving each other, and Jericho grabs a microphone and tells them that they've got seven days to straighten up or the inner circle will no longer be a team. They will be gone and never return again. Which, in hindsight, was MJF's plan all along. <clears throat> During an interview with the Young Bucks, the AEW Tag Team Champions, and at the same time, the number one tag team uh, in professional wrestling, according to a lot of critics, well, they mention a lot of according to a lot of people is what they say so maybe it's not critics uh, who possibly had the best tag team match at full gear which once again they mention I don't think I don't know I haven't watched it yet um <clears throat> the well they did win tag team of the year I'm just not sure when it was so maybe that's what they're referring to and classic Max Caster, as always, has to freestyle. Um, <clears throat> and here's what he had to say. The Young Bucks are a couple of punks looking at each other. Looking at each other's... Chunks? Looking at each, at each other's junks on the cover of their book. Know they got moved to the adult section 
I can I can't tell through your tights did y'all have an erection. I'm just saying it's kind of strange. Y'all are brothers and you're looking at each other's things. We put it on our shelves. Make a name. And we're going to make a name for ourselves or something like that. Uh, of course they said, and we are the acclaimed, in which they are. Uh, Anthony and... Anthony and Max <clears throat> of the acclaimed that may have been like their debut I'm not a hundred percent for sure that last match though did I give it a rating yes yes um shit Four out of five stars. Beautiful contest uh, from start to finish. I think that Frankie Kazarian uh, should have won, maybe. Um, it would have made more sense, seeing as though that they were talking up Frankie like he had a good game going for him, saying that he had beat Okada and saying stuff like that. You know, um, and then for Jericho to win, you know, sort of doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> But at the same time, his tag team partner lost earlier in the day, so it does make sense that both members of SCU would end up losing. Um, <clears throat> you know, like if Scorpio Sky were to win the Battle Royal that they just got done having earlier in the night, then it would make sense for um, Frankie Kazarian to win here as well that way that the entire team gets some sort of actual win you know um <clears throat> but it makes sense where both members of SCU ended up uh losing Dr. Britt Baker DMD which by the way Adam Cole Adam Cole's kind of funny on Twitter he said um I put the D in DMD, which is kind of funny, because, you know, he's, he's her boyfriend, so, um, versus legit Layla Hirsch, which I've talked about her once before, um, <clears throat> in an interview, Dr. Baker, uh, said that two weeks ago, she was delighted to return to the Dynamite, to return to Dynamite and get rid of the, quote, riffraff of AEW, end quote, uh, because Thunder Rosa does not belong here, and she, and as the face of the woman's division, it is her job to get rid of the trash. Winter is coming, and so is, Le so is Layla's uh, one-way plane ticket back to Russia. The commentary team is calling uh, Brian Baker's best friend. Oh, okay. That's supposed to say... That's not supposed to say Brian. Holy crap. Not only did I get one name wrong, but I got two names wrong. Or commentary got one name wrong, and I got another name wrong. So, hey, carry on. The commentary team is calling Britt Baker's best friend calling her Reba, and her name is Rebel. How unprofessional. Three out of five stars after this match uh, was over, Rosa, Thunder Rosa, shows up <clears throat> and interferes and uh, starts beating on Britt Baker. And for those of you who don't know, I sell merchandise, by the way. So maybe you should go check it out. There may or may not be a description. A, oh, shit. There may or may not be a link in the description. So if you don't want to, you know, if you're not feeling too generous supporting me on like Cash App or something like that, you know, not dropping me a dollar or something, maybe you can get you a duffel bag. Maybe you can get you a backpack for that matter. Maybe, just maybe, you can get you some thongs, some underwear, you know, some, a wallet, I don't know, a lunchbox, you know, 
We are extremely busy here at the Gut Wrench Podcast. Um, ain't we guys? You can't hear them, but they're typing on their computers so vigorously. Good job, fellas. Lady fellas. But um, what we do here at the Gut Wrench Podcast is we like to make sure that you're taken care of in the threads that you have. So you, you can buy your mini skirts, your leggings, um, your socks. We sell socks. You gotta have socks, especially for the winter. And remember, winter is coming. No, I'm joking. It's like five months away, maybe six. Shit, let's not think about that. But anyway, they got this woman's name wrong. They kept calling her Reba. Her name's Rebel. Cody Rhodes wants to know why Taz's son is not training with his father, Taz. And wants to know why the champion... Oh, Taz wants to know why his championship... Oh my god. So this was poor storytelling at its best. Because Taz, for some reason, wanted to know why his FTW championship wasn't, um, like, getting respect on its name. And here's the thing. Even today, they use it as sort of like a transitional championship. I hate to use that word, but it's kind of like, hey, guys, we need a uh, title match tonight, but I don't really think that we should do like a TNT championship match right right not a tag team titles match either okay well definitely not a world title match we can't give that away for free what are you crazy this man don't work for free am I right I got an idea and then someone goes how about that old irrelevant uh, championship that used to be relevant back in the 80s that's a great idea i still got it here it is okay well i practically owned ecw so i guess i can use it and they just bring it out so there you go that's just how it works taz wants to i mean in in the promo package that they showed for this for this match it was so poor it was so poor. It showed Cody Rhodes in the ring, right? And then Rhodes is just like talking about something about, uh, I, I don't know about you, Taz, but it seems to me like it's very disrespectful that your son isn't training with you. And then he's just all of a sudden mad about it. Oh, you, you put disrespect on my name and now we're going to show you what disrespect is. And now Cody Rhodes has to uh, team up with Darby Allen, the TNT champion, who's not putting his title on the line tonight for whatever reason, because this is supposed to be a special event or a pay-per-view event. And you would figure that they would have a championship on the line aside from the main event, which we'll get to here in just a second. So many things wrong with this match. So many things. I mean, not only is it a tag team match, not only is it about some foreign disrespect that I don't even see existing, as Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes face off against Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks of Team Taz, um, I give it two and a half out of five stars. Yeah, see, this was the lowest rated match on the card right here. Um, <clears throat> was a nice match, but lazy storytelling. And this is where Sting made his debut. This is where the lights went out, and all of a sudden you just seen like the the winter wasteland, and snow was falling from the sky, and. After the match, Sting came out and he held a ball bat in front of everyone's face and he was looking them in the eyes and, you know, he was being really mysterious and mystique about it. And, of course, on commentary they say that apparently this is his first time on TNT television in 18 years. Holy crap. And that was after he 
allegedly broke his neck, putting that in air quotes, um, from a spot done by Seth Rollins, where, I don't know about you guys, but I remember Twitter taking off and going ham, H-A-M, on Seth Rollins, just saying how lazy he was and how unappreciative he was of the 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 later era of wrestling and people just shitting on Seth Rollins just because oh he hurts sting oh my god and people are hypocrites too whenever uh Paige came back she came back as Soraya whenever uh Sting came back and comes back as Sting but they don't want to see Soraya they don't want to see that. They wanted to see Paige. It's like it's the same goddamn person. You asked for her to come back and she came back. CM Punk came back, but you didn't want to see him either. Cody Rhodes came back to WWE after he, in AEW, he grabbed a microphone and he told you all that he, quote, loves you and you booed him out of the arena. What is wrong with people? I mean, that was in AEW. Then he comes back to WWE and he's got extreme fanfare. Everybody loves him. Oh my God, we love him in WWE. We hate him in another company. It'd be like if I went to McDonald's, had a good reputation. Everybody loved me. But then I went over to Wendy's, became an executive, and everybody's like, that's the guy from McDonald's. Yeah, I wonder what he's up to. What the fuck? How did he get an executive position here at Wendy's? Yo, I think he's sleeping with my daughter. You know, like, just learn to love people. Learn to like them for them and not the company that they're affiliated with. (sighs) If CM Punk comes back is what I'm... This is what I'm trying to get, what I'm trying to get at, okay? This has been bothering me. If Punk comes back, will you all just like him again? Please? Like, you have no reason to hate him. You have no reason to throw shade at CM Punk. This was my hero growing up from 2006 until present day. Simply because... He lived his life a little bit different. And at the time, I didn't have a role model to look up to. This is just Mocha talking to you, heart to heart. Thread to thread, you know. Listen to what I'm saying. He lives his life a different way. My mom hated him because of it. Not to get personal or anything, but um, she's a drug addict and a drug dealer, possibly, possibly. I haven't heard from her in a long time, so, and I don't care either way. And the fact is that being around all the oxycodone and all of the, the heroin and the, the needles and Everything that everybody wanted to to be a part of, you know, and they feel so high about, you know, just to use the word, they're they're so high on it. Um, whenever I was introduced to CM Punk, the first words out of this man's mouth was "Hi, my name is CM Punk, and I don't drink, and I don't smoke." And then they said, CM Punk, next, he makes his debut. Maybe we'll go back and look at that that first episode of ECW where CM Punk actually made his, his debut. But in my book, actually, that I am writing right now, yes, I am writing a book. Yes, I am selling merchandise. And yes, this is practically the end of the show. I talk about CM Punk because... Character is defined by what you do when no one is looking. 
and what that man did when nobody was looking. You could say that he raised me to be the person that I am today. Not to get philosophical or anything, or for that matter, oh, little is me. He raised me and he didn't even know it. Uh, Also, another girl, another girl, okay, another person happens to be a girl who raised me and doesn't even know it. And her name is Tara Strong. So if you don't know who that is, she was probably a part of your childhood, too. She played so many fucking cartoon characters, wasn't even funny. Growing up, she played Timmy Turner, she played Riku from Final Fantasy X, two and Final Fantasy X. Um, <clears throat> she played Chowder from, uh, Chowder. It's, it's not important. But she, she doesn't know it, but she helped me grow up, too. One thing I've noticed about AEW is uh, they wait until the finish of the match before uh, any interference or shenanigans takes place uh, to further their stories, and I really like that about them uh, because if you notice, uh, back when wrestling was at its peak in the 90s, it used to be nothing but interference after interference after interference uh, with 5% chance that you wouldn't get any interference at all. Even in their video games, like if you've ever played the old Nintendo 64 video games and you happen to have a rival in those video games, that rival would come out either to spite you or to spite your opponent. So um, if you were having a one-on-one match and you can't control the settings in the career mode and you you can't, I mean, I'm just here to tell you, that's a no-go, Joe. Anyway, um, whenever you went to do a move to a certain person, or if a certain wrestling match went over a certain elongated amount of time, like say three minutes, a threshold, um, they would come out and they would either try to hurt you or they would try to help you. And most of the time it would either one, cost you the match in in the game, Not because the referee would throw it out, because he wouldn't, despite there being legitimate, like, I can't tell you the number of times I was facing off against Steve Austin just to see the rock come in and then hit me with a rock bottom and then the referee not even call a disqualification, but Steve Austin just go and pin me, and then I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) But anyway, that's, once again, neither here nor there. Hakira Shida interview spot and she seems to be the AEW Women's Championship at the time and Shida says that she is not afraid of something that falls oh okay yeah so uh, next week she will be defending her uh, AEW Women's Championship against a woman known as Abaddon and Abaddon is uh, in in Akira Shida's own own words, she is nothing more than a zombie cosplayer girl. But whenever something falls off camera, it makes sort of a metal clanking noise. It sounds like the rim of a vehicle falling off of the tire. But whenever it falls, Akira Shida, she wants nothing to do with this interview, despite saying that she's not afraid. <laughs> she's just like, uh... You see, I gotta go. And the funny thing is, she says, like, see, I gotta go. And when she says it, her Japanese accent goes away. I I mean, I was, I was like, wow. She said it so much that her Japanese accent just vanished. <clears throat> John Moxley, um, shoot promo. And he says, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there. Only one thing left to do is to put on a show that people are going to love that people will talk about for years to come. He talks about how the fact that people already uh, written him off, 
that John Moxley is nothing more than a clown. But he put the wrestling world on notice whenever he bitch slapped it. And they knew... He knew that uh, Kenny Omega and John Moxley were destined rivals, uh, whether they knew it or not. But championship over his shoulder, he points to it as a target. Yeah, so basically the championship over his shoulder makes him a target. And he's here to defend it. So... Before we get to that, however, this is not another merchandise plug, don't worry. Um, the Yapper Dapper, which is the name that Justin Roberts goes by, I'm not sure why, but nonetheless, it's not important, has something to say about Kenny Omega. <clears throat> now, for those of you who don't know, Omega's made it abundantly clear that he wants an introduction for a king. So, over the years, his introductions gotten more and more lengthy, so much so that the yapper dapper Justin Roberts has had to pull out a cue card once in a while just to have to read off Mr. Omega's introduction, which I think is really funny. But anyway, that's now that's not the case. But if we were to look at Kenny Omega like a six or eight months from now, from this point, it gets ridiculous. Anyway, he has held 16 different championships um, in uh, 16 different singles championships in the professional wrestling world. Keep in mind that's over three companies. Um, he is an 11 time, I'm sorry, he is on an 11 AEW match win streak which doesn't make much sense because whenever he comes out the graphic updates to let us know that he's 7 and 0 at the point of this unless he's had and they do say he's on an 11 AEW match win streak doesn't make much sense if you're 7 and 0 they say AEW match win streak why Why is he counting his Impact Wrestling wins then? That makes no sense. Um, his 33 wins are more than anyone in the AEW roster, which, once again, doesn't make any sense because he doesn't have 33 wins unless he means 33 wins overall and they're just counting the wins from, like, 2020 thus far, which is only seven, which would mean that He's counting his wins last year. Because the records update, they update, <laughs> shit, they reset every year, um, according to what I understand. But yeah, uh, his record is 7-0. and I'm curious to know how he's on an 11-match win streak, uh, like Justin Roberts just got done saying. AEW World Championship is on the line. Apparently, Don Callis knew Kenny Omega's uh, famous uncle in Canada and uh, knew Kenny Omega since he's 10 years old. <clears throat> Omega's uncle was known as the Golden Sheik, but I'm not sure whether, whether or not to believe anything that Don Callis says because he's a heel. So, the end of this match was seen as... Uh, somewhat controversial because John Moxley would throw uh, Kenny Omega out of the ring and in doing so um, after he hit him with a belly-to-belly -belly suplex I think it, I think that the move was or a backdrop of some sort some sort of uh, suplex backdrop he would end up hurting Omega uh, at least that's what they say on commentary they call for the for the doctor to come down it looks like it was a work though because once the doctor comes down, he's asking he's asking Kenny if he's okay, and Don Callis comes down. Whenever Don Callis comes down, he, he grabs, it, it makes sense now, he basically gives something to Omega. You were thinking, what was it? Was it Brass Knuckles? You know, was it the Poison Mist? You know, what exactly did he give Mr. Kenny Omega? He gave him a microphone. 
<clears throat> gave him a microphone and um when when John Moxley got tired of waiting, there's a whole bunch of officials around uh, Kenny Omega surrounding him, asking him if he's okay. There's a doctor, doctor's right there, and you know Kenny's not saying a word. He he gets up and then afterwards he smacks John Moxley right in the right between the the eyes with a microphone, and it makes sort of a, I mean, you guys would know what kind of noise it would make, right? Hang on, brace yourself. you know, somewhat of a thudding, smacking noise, um, and afterwards, John Moxley's busted open, he's bleeding, and he's bleeding almost from ear to ear, he's gushing the blood like a fruit, like a watermelon, <clears throat> I don't even know if watermelon's a fruit, I don't even know why I said fruit, I meant to say like fruit gusher or something, once again, not sponsored, <clears throat> Sad times. Can't even get a sponsor around here. Um, I give it four out of five stars. Afterwards, uh, Omega uh, hits him with a one-winged angel. And as you know, if you've heard it once from me, you'll hear it a thousand times. Nobody. And especially the package that they put together weeks later where um, Kenny Omega, wherever they're showing the highlights of this match, right? And Omega said... Nobody, and I mean nobody. As it was showing the highlights, it was uh, echoing Omega's uh, voice. And in the highlight package, when he gets to that to that part right there, nobody, and I mean nobody. And then it starts echoing the nobody, 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 like that. The referee's uh, hands coming down for the two. And then the referee's hands coming up for the three. And then as the referee's hands coming up for the three. And as the uh, echo stops. And Omega's uh, voice is heard again. He says kicks out of the one winged angel. And then after that. Moxley just kicks out of the one winged angel. Right at the time that Omega said that. <laughs> Whoever edited that package. God they're so good. Oh my god, teach me, teach me, no, come here, come here, teach me how you edit that, please, because I want to know what, who taught you so that you can teach me. <laughs> anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that is the show, thank you all so much, I do apologize that this is a day late, um, because I had some people at my, I had some drug addicts at my house again and I'm almost certain that they're scheduled to be back at any point in time you know one of them walked in while I was recording I know that you guys get the gist of why I, you know done the whole mute mute thing so that they don't think that I'm some crackhead because they're crackheads you know and I don't want to associate myself with crackheads <clears throat> Thank you all so much for joining me. My name is Mocha. Good night. That's a wrap. <laughs>